Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always is my good friend, Ethan Carter. Hey, guy. Hey, guy? man. I feel like it's been like, like oh. 10 minutes since we talked. Oh, you know, it's... <laughs> so, for those of you that missed last week... <laughs> yeah. Let's explain <laughs> the joke. Or, or as we call it, an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are recording... This is the second episode that we're recording on March 2nd. So, this episode is going to go out on March uh, 9th, 10th, the 11th. Yep. The 11th. Um, and the reason we're doing this is because Ethan is a world traveler now, you know. Ah. <sighs> For, for one month a year, apparently. <laughs> Ethan doesn't have time for us peasants. I'm uh, calling, by the way, I'm calling Ethan a world traveler, right? I went to LA in December. Yeah, exactly. I went no, to Henderson in it. February. Right. Like, yeah. Ooh, ooh, and I'm going, to, I'm going to back out to Henderson in April. Yeah. But, and then yeah. I'm going out to Northern California probably at some point over the summer. And then I'm going, then I have, uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, maybe I should well, shut and, my mouth. And I just like to, you know, I do care because I brought my microphone all the way to LA. You did? We're doing two podcasts tonight. So, I I care about our listeners for you sure. You do. It's it, it's you're better than I am because when I went to LA, I'm like, yeah, we don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think uh, I, I was like trying to scramble too, so I don't think I had time for it to be fair. Yeah, either. the first the first trip to LA, the first trip to LA in December. Um, yeah, there's no. We did end up. What did we do? No, we were. Uh, we just took that week we, off. We had one week off. Yeah. Yeah, we took that week off, and yeah. then we came back and we did Jason's, Jason's episode, episode one week. Yeah. We just lazed our way into the new year. <laughs> I always laugh, though, because like, people were just like, oh, yeah, we were too busy to do a podcast. I'm like, okay, look, I'm not going to say that we we don't miss a week here mm-hmm. and there, but we are 38 episodes into this podcast, yeah. and we have missed two weeks. Right. Well, and again- And a month. I mean, what did I come- I come on, came in in, like, July? 12, by the way. I checked. It was episode 12. Okay. You, you were on episode 11, and then, and then episode 12, 12 you were like, my co-host. First, yeah. But, and that was, like, in July, and now we're at the 30-something. Yeah, well, that's crazy. What, I, I, you know, it's kind of sad- had we not taken that month off when I was doing chemo, if we had not taken that month off, we would have hit one year in May. So That's crazy. We are technically, I mean, technically, time-wise, we did a oh, year's yeah. worth of episodes. It just isn't one a week. We won't hit episode 52 until the end of June. Well, I still remember when you, I don't know when you asked me. It, was only, it wasn't only a couple weeks before I came on, I think. But it was, it was, it was no, it was the next episode. I went oh, back and it? looked. Oh, you God. were on episode 11 No, 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 I mean, me? before, like, it came on episode 11, like, when you asked me to be a guest. Oh. And I, and, and I, I remember being, I was sitting in bed, and I was like, Vincent just asked me to be on his podcast. I'm like, I don't think he knows. I think he's got the wrong guy. Like, I don't know what. I don't, think he, I don't know why he wants. He me was to be maybe on his he was looking for the wrestler. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly. I was like, he's, he, I think he made a mistake. Oh no, I, I think I. I actually think I made this was the easiest and most obviously right decision that I've Aww. ever made was having you on because. Aww. Oh my God! I would never imagine doing two episodes in one night with anyone else. I appreciate and same same right back at you. And I, I said oh. that to many people. I was like, I don't think I could could do a podcast with anyone else. I the 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 way you are, the way you carry a conversation, the way you bring out you know bring out what I can you know bring myself out is is unique and special. We work, so we work really well together yeah, because you sure. put up you put up with my gigantic ego and my inability to <laughs> shut my mouth. And I like to think that I bring a little bit of experience to the table and putting absolutely, this together. So absolutely. It works. Yeah, it does work. <laughs> so last episode we mentioned it was the Morley it was the Morley, Morley ep- Kurt yeah. um, <laughs> super episode. It was right. the Morley Kurt Super Show. That's what we called it. The Morley Kurt's so 
we were like, you know, he sent us three really good questions. So why don't we do this? Let's do one and our normal show last week. Last week, an hour week. ago. Yep. And then let's do, since it's going to be a, a banked episode for another week, let's do two uh, the two other questions for this episode. So that's pretty much where the conversation is going to go. We mm-hmm. have two more questions from Morley, one of which I am super duper excited about because it ties into something that, oh, I God, if I say his name, I'm, everyone's going to go after me. My mentor, I won't say his name this time, <laughs> but it you ties into something very, very relevant. That's something he always says, and I'm going to tie it into him. And he's going to be so proud of me. I know he doesn't listen to the show, but I do know that Amy listens to the show. There you and go. I know that Amy will report back that I was talking favorably about him. Yeah. And then he'll listen to that three minutes that she'll cut out <laughs> for him. So he doesn't have to listen to a whole episode of this crap. So, um, but yeah, I do have, a, I'm really excited about one of the questions. In fact, when he sent over the questions this afternoon, he sent three. I read the first one in like a second, but the second one I was so fixated on it. That oh, yeah. Okay. That, go... was, that was the one I was like, I thought. I was like, that's probably the one he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to go get my lunch, and as I'm in my truck pulling into the parking lot at Stop and Shop, and as I'm walking into the store, my head is rehearsing my answer <laughs> because I was so excited about this question because it is something that's very, very relevant. So, yeah, and I don't think I have a great answer, so I'm actually happy that you have a good one. Yeah, good. So we can split the difference because I literally have kind of... Well, I guess for the third one, we can probably bat that one around for an hour. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I don't have a good answer for that one either, but but, yeah. uh, but we can talk about it. So. We, will, we, will, we will brainstorm in blue sky. There you so go. So, <laughs> the first question, the first question, which is question two on his list, because we did one last <clears> week, <throat> how does your day job contribute to your making, business, and creativity, if at all? Okay. Morley, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> <laughs> gather around, children. <laughs> gather around. Gather around the fire, kids. <laughs> we got a long one coming for you. Okay. When I was um, up until 2018, 2018? Yes, 2018, um, I worked for the same company for 20 years. Okay. And in that company, I did a lot of different jobs. But the job that I had for the longest amount of time was I was their IT person. And IT is just the most miserable, thankless, horrible job you can have. And I feel bad for anyone that does it because I've done it. It's not fun. I Mm -hmm. hated it. I didn't like it. But I also knew I was good at it. And it provided me a reasonably good income. Right. Um, When I was let go from that company as it went down in flames, like the Red Baron shot it down over (laughs) France, um, I was kind of in a at a crossroads and i had no idea what i was going to do i was like okay well the my business which wasn't even a business at that point like the woodworking thing can be a good side hustle and Mm -hmm. maybe i can grow that and that was my plan i was going to grow that into something something. right that was the dumbest damn plan i ever had i had nothing (laughs) i mean look at what i do now and Mm -hmm. i had less than that which is really like it's not even a side hustle it was pocket change it was some it was eating out he was eating out once a week if i was lucky right and i um i talked to the owner of the company that let me go and he's like well you know i still have contacts at another company i used to work for two companies at one point i was working splitting time between two companies he goes i can still talk to them and see if they're looking for somebody do you want me to do you want me to call them for you and i'm like well a word from you would probably put me in a good place so he called and i had an interview um, so they let me go on Friday. I had an interview on Monday. I was working for them on Wednesday. But here's the thing. 
And this is, this is where the story goes to. I wasn't going to be doing IT for them. I was going to be doing, I was going to be managing their Amazon business. And, and this is the craziest thing in the world, okay? I was going to be designing product packaging. Never done that before. Never, right? I had no idea what I was doing. Literally no idea what I was doing. And they're like, well, we, we have a little bit of a runway here. You can kind of, you can get accustomed to it. You can kind of figure it out. You can take your time and really kind of get comfortable doing it. So I was like, yeah, you're right. I should just, okay, let's do it. So I took the job, started working for them, and I start getting, so when you do product packaging, particularly with cardboard boxes, you get from the manufacturer, you get the, you get what they call die cuts. And a die cut is basically just the layout of the packaging as it's going to be cut from the machine that stamps the cardboard into the shape that gets folded into the box itself. And they sent me these outlines and they're like, okay, we need product packaging. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what do I do? Um, you fill that with <laughs> stuff. And I went, what? Like, I mean, I knew what was involved, right, but I thought right. I would have more to go with. It's yeah. like, yeah, you got to start working. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Jump in. Yeah, literally, that's what it was. So right. now <laughs> I was very good with Photoshop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good with Photoshop. They don't use Photoshop for this. Mm. They use Adobe Illustrator. (laughs) Not only did I not know how to use Illustrator, I had no clue how to use... I did not know what the hell I was doing. Right. And I had about two days to get up to snuff on Illustrator. Like, to just... real. It's like, you got to get this packaging done, man. Crash course. Just whatever you had to do. I just... I just started playing and just manu- and I made a complete mess of it, but I managed to get something that the manufacturer could stamp onto a box and send out. Second time I did the packaging, I worked with a company because what happens is with companies like mine, you tend to work with a bunch of different manufacturers that then just put your packaging on their product. Right. And I started working with a guy and he's like, um, he wasn't as willing to, he wasn't as willing to, let's say he wasn't willing to correct for my lack of knowledge as the first company was, <laughs> yeah. which meant I had to get it right. right. And so at one point he's like, no, I can't take, you can't this send me this. I can't use this. And I'm right. like, okay. I, I told him at one point, I was like, I just don't know what to do. I said, they put me in this. I know how to make things look pretty, but I don't know how to give you what you want. And he was very patient with me. And he said, what, he told me what he needed, but he said, I'm not a designer and our designers don't speak English. So I can't tell you how to do it, but I can tell you what I need and you see if you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, told me what he needed. And I went through a whole rigmarole process and I managed to get him the file I designed and all the components for the file. And I still had no idea what I was doing, but it was enough <laughs> for them to get it together and ship it. Right. The next time around, I got better at it. Mm-hmm. By the fourth round, I started to develop my own processes. Mm-hmm. And you start learning that you have to save multiple versions of your file. Because, like, for example, in Illustrator, when you put type on something, right? Well, it saves the font you use. But if they open the file, they don't have the font. Right. And what I had to learn was you have to convert those fonts to outlines, so that they, whether they have the font or not, it's just a drawing of the font on the screen. But I did that and then saved the file. And then it's like, we need to make a correction to this. And I'm like, oh, crap. 
you can't make a correction to outlines. I had to redo all the text on a box. I, I mean, I learned, I took my knocks. Yes. I took my right. knocks. And I really, I just nose to the grindstone just best Trial I could. By fire. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I learned, and luckily the company I worked for was very, very patient with me. And they're like, it's okay, but we need you to get this done. Like, it's, it's, it's okay that you're learning, but right. we, do need, we still need results. This is still a business. Right. And yep. it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I went from not knowing how to use Illustrator to I now know Illustrator better than right. I know Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Illustrator really, really well. And our product packaging... Um, it's funny because Beth came to the warehouse on Friday that I work near, that I work mm-hmm. inside. And I showed her around and I was just pointing to the stuff that I designed the packaging for. And it went from two or three products when I started there to now half the stuff in our warehouse is stuff that I did the packaging for. And I'm just walking around and I'm kind of soaking it in how much I've learned about Illustrator because I had to, because I didn't have a choice. I've learned, since I started at this job, I've learned Adobe Illustrator. I've learned Adobe um, Adobe InDesign because we do product spec sheets, and you can't do those with Microsoft Word. Contrary to what everyone thinks, you don't want to do page layout with Word. It's oh, not no. fun. It's the worst, yeah. It is the literal worst thing in the world to do. I mean, you can get away with doing it with Publisher, kind but <laughs> you really don't want to do yeah. it with that either. You kind of want a professional mm-hmm. program with text flowing and all the cool stuff you can do with InDesign. I've learned... Um, Adobe Dimension, which people don't even know what Adobe Dimension is. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> okay, so Adobe Dimension is a very cool program where you take your logo or your artwork and you can put it on products in virtual space and have it huh. look like a photo of the item. It's That's a cool. really, really cool program. But um, all these things, though, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things, and I'm listening to you talk, and it's and I've experienced them. I'm trying to think of an example, but where you start off so slow, like slow, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And then all of a sudden, to your point, all of a sudden you have this huge toolbox of skills and you have no idea how you really... Yeah, you're on fire. You go <laughs> yeah, from... Right. It's, so I wrote, a piece of, I wrote a piece on my blog about this and I, um, it was when I was learning Fusion 360. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a course on Skillshare by Vladimir Mariano called Fusion 360 for 3D Printing. And one of the crazy things that happened was... I didn't really need a course in Fusion 360 as much as I had some mental roadblocks about right. how it worked. Right. And that course erased the roadblocks. And now I can use Fusion 360 like second nature. Like my hands move to the right keys on the keyboard. I understand the concepts. I can do things. And all of this. So I'm getting back to the the whole point of me telling all this is the way that this has helped my business and creativity there's been cross-pollination of skills like you can't even believe. Mm-hmm. Um, learning Illustrator has made me better at making stuff for my laser cutter. Right, right. Um, learning Fusion 360. So, okay, I'll give you a good example. So I know Fusion 360 because I have two 3D printers, and I do that here. Mm-hmm. But at work, I don't have a need to 3D model anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, except one time I did. We were getting um, some USB-C cables from China. And I did not have a picture of the cables, but we needed to do product packaging. And I literally went into Fusion 360 and designed the USB cable. Just like that. And, and I, I, took a dimension, I took dimensions off it, and I saw, what ours, I saw a picture of what ours was going to look like. And that was enough for me to make a USB-C <laughs> cable rendering for the front of the packaging that was good enough where they're like, yep, that, that's representative that enough. That'll work. That's perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cross-pollination, right? For so sure. 
one thing that I'm very lucky, I am very, very lucky now. I don't do IT anymore, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm very lucky that my day job encompasses a ton of skills that I use in my business. Right, right. But I am doing more product photography now than I've ever done in my life. And the skills that I've learned, you know, I talked last episode about a class, a couple of classes I took on Skillshare from Tabitha mm-hmm. Park. Well, a couple of those skills have now shown up in my, in my use at work. Right. And all of this cross-pollination is happening. It's making me better at both. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of cool. Not everyone has a side hustle that's related to their full-time job. I just happen to have a lot of cross-pollination of skills, and it's made me better at what I do. Well, and, I, and I'm listening to you, and, I, and I'm thinking about this question a little bit for myself, too, because you're absolutely right. When I, when I read this question, I was like, ah, there, there isn't that much crossover, right? But I think there is, I, and and I'll just give a couple quick things of quick thoughts on this. Is so I do a lot with so I'm in customer marketing, which is basically I negotiate uh, how much we spend with re- retailers. So I work for Gordon Seafood, and if you go into a grocery store and our product is on sale, right, buy one get one, we negotiate that. So uh, we pay for that, but we also try to negotiate and have them reduce their margin, right, um, and so. All of that is like it's it's thinking about it differently and trying to negotiate with a retailer um, to come up with a win for both parties. And I see some of that with again, I haven't worked with brands much, but I I do see that there's a lot of that with what we do in terms of how do I show them that that there's value in what I'm doing that can benefit both of us. Hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? No, yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, in a way, in a way, you're you're. I know you're not really selling, selling, but you're right. kind of selling. You're selling your company, and, it's like, and exactly. And, this and, is a value proposition that we have to, for you, and right. this is how we both benefit from it. And if we, and if you think about it this way, instead of just the nuts and bolts, instead of just thinking about it as a pure margin, think about uh, the bottom, you know, the bottom line, the absolute dollars we can bring. If you compress your margin, we can give you this much more dollars, and dollars is actually what matters. You know, mm-hmm. it's that kind of thinking. So there's some of that. And then the other thing that kind of struck me as you were talking about it is, so Gorton's has been around since 1849. So it's a, it's a company that's been around for 170 years. It's, um, I mean, that's crazy, right? That's a mm-hmm. long, long time. And, and so I've seen even in the 13, 13 14 years I've worked with them. Um, and, but, but then also looking back at history, seeing a brand that's been able to reinvent themselves and rebrand themselves so many times while still keeping that core brand at this, mm-hmm. along the same way. That's inspiring, and I, and I think there's a, a lot to be said for that because that's that's a hard thing to do. There's very few brands that have been around for that long in the U.S. So yeah, they don't brands don't <laughs> brands don't last. I mean, in no. general, even the ones that have been around a long time, you know. So I didn't know this. The Minnesota Mountain and Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that is? No. 3M. Oh, really? Yeah. Did, huh. I didn't know that that was the, what the 3M no. stood for, the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. I did company. not know that. Oh, cool. I did not. I learned it. I literally learned it yesterday. Wow. I was very amazed by that. Um, there's a YouTube, there's a YouTuber that does um, old audio equipment. Um, channel is called Techmone. Oh, cool. And one of the things he had was something that 3M invented. And on the patent application, it says the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. And he goes, oh, as you would know it better, 3M. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Oh yeah. my God, right. <laughs> that stands for something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. I had no so, idea. But they but, don't do mining and manufacturing no, anymore. They make re, right. Yeah, they make everything. They've rebranded. They've reinvented themselves over and over and over again. I think uh -huh. that's an important message for for us too, because you know, like we've talked about before, we've made we make a certain product and it does really well for a little while, right? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of goes stale. <laughs> and if you just if you put all your emphasis on that. And just that's all you're gonna do. Then you're gonna you're gonna fail. But if you can take that and say what worked with that one, pivot and come up with something new. Yeah, then and you're that's, gonna last. Right? It's you don't have to like. This is the funny thing. Like people think reinvent means you stop doing one thing right. and start doing another. No. It doesn't. No, it means you. It, it more often than not, reinventing just means you're refocusing. Mm -hmm. You're finding your new. You're finding your new angle. You're you're taking what you've already done, what you've right. already learned, what you, all your experiences, everything that you put together, right. and just take a little bit of a turn. Go mm -hmm. left right. instead of going straight. Go left. Yep. But yeah, this is. I love this question because something that. And I, I'll say my mentor says a lot, right? And this is, this is something that anyone can take to the bank. Yeah. If your company, if your day job offers to pay for training in oh, yeah. anything, yeah. Mm -hmm. you take it. Yeah. I, I, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Even if it doesn't seem like it's going to value your job at all. Yep. It's, you take it's it. Free training. We're going to teach you. You're going to learn a skill. Mm -hmm. I don't care if that skill is the best way to mix a cocktail and you are not an alcoholic. You <laughs> take that course. Because the truth of the matter is you don't get a lot of opportunities for free education right. when you're an adult. I mean, as a kid, you go to school and for the most part, everyone in the country goes to a public school and public schools are free. Yes, right. yeah, I know. There's, But really, <laughs> the majority of school-age children in the United States go to public school and they go to public school for free. Mm -hmm. You don't get that as an adult. You know, and there are ways to learn things. There's Skillshare is one of my favorites, but you can go on YouTube. You can use Linda. I feel like we need to get them to sponsor we really should get them to spot. I can, you know what I could do? I mean, I could totally be a scumbag and put my code in the show notes and then everybody gets some free weeks if they sign up. I mean, I have a code, you know, maybe, maybe we should do that. I <laughs> right. don't know. That was, is that scummy to do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe do we want to give them free publicity or do I just want to get free months on my Skillshare subscription? <laughs> I don't know. I actually think a lot of people that promote Skillshare, by the way, are doing it because they get the free weeks and they figure if they get enough people to sign up, they can right. bank a year's worth of free weeks and it costs them nothing to do it. So, um, yeah, anyway, I, th there are a lot of opportunities to learn stuff, but there's not a lot of opportunities to learn stuff for free. And if your employer wants to give you classes, training, education, you take it. You right. just, just don't even think about it. The answer is always, 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 always. Yes. Because that's not going to be an opportunity you're going to get all the time. And any skill, what keeps you in a job is your value, the value you bring to the position. It's not, right. it's not your job. Let's, let's, let's back up a second. You don't have a job. This is, this is a misconception. That's not your job. That's a job you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're doing a job. The job belongs to your employer, and he can put anyone in that job. Right. Right? So your employer doesn't give you a job. They have a job, and they allow you to do it. Yep. And I know that that's going to – people are listening to that going, you are – they are getting angry listening to that. But <laughs> it's the God's honest truth. You don't have the job. If you leave that company, someone else will do that job, right? right? You don't have a job. 
You have, you have the ability to do work for a company at a certain position. One of the great things you can do is bring more value to the company because at some point you're going to want to go, you know, company, I would like some more money. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go, well, what Ethan Carter do you bring to the table? And you go, well, I negotiated this major deal with Pathmark. Well, Pathmark's probably a bad example because they're not. Since they're out anymore. of business, and um, they were one of mine. I, I did. I didn't manage them. Uh, <laughs> yes. um, I did not manage them into the ground like they did. So. Um, I, I I have this great deal with the American Tea Company and um, <laughs> the Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company. That's what they yeah, are. There you go. Um, <laughs> much better example. Much better example. Um, yeah, and you're like, I did this, and I actually, you know. I have a specialty here. Here's a good one, right? I also manage the Whole Foods account, and I know mm-hmm. all about organic groceries. Now, now you have a specialty, mm-hmm. right? And that's special skill. So I'm going to tell you, I'll give you an analog. I worked in the, I still to an extent work in the wireless phone business. Although the parent company I work, of the company I work for is a wireless phone company. My company is not. Mm-hmm. But I worked in the wireless phone business for a very long time. I could do retail today. I could walk into a retail store and sell phones. Not a problem. I know how to do it. I know how the business works. I understand everything about it. What made me a marketable employee was that I had a lot of skills from around the company. So I worked in the commissions department. Yeah. I worked in customer service. I worked in dealer support. I worked in the warehouse. I worked. I literally had every position at one point or another in that company. Right. So when I said when they said, hey, we're starting to sh- we're starting to wind down operations. Well, who are they going to let go? Are they going to let go? You know, they can let go three employees and I can fill in their positions as right. one employee. Who's more valuable to the company? The guy that only knows how to manage the warehouse or the guy who can handle your IT, manage the warehouse and do some light bookkeeping. Like right. who who's more valuable to your company? Now, are those skills I brought to the company? No. Those are skills that I but learned. you took the opportunity to learn. Yeah. That. Yep. I learned everything I could. Everything I could. I, you, want, you want me to do a job? Look, I may not be happy that you want me to do another job, but if you're going to let me do another job and I'm going to learn how to do another job, you're damn right I'm going to learn how to do that other job and I'm going to enjoy doing it. Well, I think that, I think that applies very well to, to what we do as hustlers too because mm-hmm. – uh, you know, we 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 have to wear a lot of hats, especially starting out. Starting out, right? Like mm-hmm. we have to be, our, you know, our marketer, the ma- you know, the person actually making the things, uh, marketing ourselves, the finance person, the PR. You know, we are our own company. Yeah. Um, as a you know, as a side hustler maker, and and so take those opportunities again. I'll. I'll Try to stop talking about WorkbenchCon, but that's part of like what some of the best sessions at WorkbenchCon I th- thought were was ex- like planting those seeds and, and and understanding that there are so many facets to this. It's not just about making good products or making good content. You really have to understand the whole business as a whole, right? Yeah. And, and, and when you don't know those things, knowing how to reach out and 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 have that support network that can kind of help you with those things. So. Well, like Bruce's class about turning off manual, yeah, right? Totally. That's yep. the kind of thing that okay, so 
everyone like, oh, I know how to use my camera. Right. I agree. Most mm-hmm. people probably do know how to use their camera. But when you when you watch a session with someone teaching you how to use your equipment better and get better results out of it. So with when whatever I took, you have. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. With whatever you have. Yeah. Just think about how much you can increase the value. So we're talking about increasing your human capital, the value that you bring to a position. But at the same time, okay, I'm going to give you a really good example. A really, really, really good example. And I believe it was Stephen um, Stephen from uh, Wolf's Woodworking that I had mm-hmm. this conversation with. So he did a video. So I have a DeWalt 735 planer downstairs in my shop. It's the, the big um, flat planer. And he has one also, and he did a little video where he was doing some stuff, and at one point, he turned a knob on it. And I said, and I just sent him a message on Instagram, and I said, hypothetically, if someone didn't know what that knob did. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah, just let's, let's pretend, let's pretend, I just want to see if you know. Yeah. <laughs> let's see, let's, can you tell me what that knob does? He goes, <laughs> you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, really, I'm dead serious. I have no freaking idea what that knob does. And he explained that that knob on the left side of the planer is a depth stop. I had no idea, okay? Right. Well, now, do you know how much value that one piece of information has provided me now mm-hmm. that I know that, hey, I want this cutting board to be an inch and a quarter or an inch and a third. I can set it there. Yeah. And then I don't care how far I dial it down. I don't have to watch how much I dial it and over thin a board. I, you know how many times I've ruined a cutting board by making it too thin because I've planed it too many times to flatten it? Right. And now I'll never do that again because the depth stop is going to stop the blades from coming down. I didn't know that that's what that did. Right. I, I've never changed it off the factory, probably because when I started using it, I was in a hurry. I was working on a project. I needed it running immediately. I didn't have time to really learn how to use it. But I have gone, I've now had this thing for a year and a half, and I've never turned that knob because I didn't know what it did. Right. And I just knew that it worked. Mm-hmm. It, it worked. It, yeah. Yeah, it works good enough. It's good, good enough. enough. Right. I don't have to screw... But you know how much value that gives that tool now to me? Right. Because well, that tool just... goes from, that goes from I need to babysit it to I can just use it. Right. No, and it's that... the same thing with any of those kind of settings too. And I'm horrible about that. Like the laser guides or all those, <laughs> all those things though that, that you really should take the, it, it doesn't take that long. It takes maybe 15 to half an hour to set those things up, get them dialed in, and then mm-hmm. they work amazing. But how often do we not do that? We or don't. Not, or don't even understand it because we don't read the manual, right? Do you know the first time I used a bandsaw was last year? Yeah. Last February. And I didn't even... I, had, I bought it at Woodcraft mm-hmm. in September. And the reason I bought it was because in October the price was going up $55. And I was well, like... Well, I'm oh. looking at the mine in the box across the room right now. <laughs> See? So, there you go. Yeah. So mine sat in the box. I'm not even joking. Mine sat in the box all the way until February. Mm-hmm. February. I had the bandsaw for four or five months. I'm, I'm getting close to that now. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'll open it when I need it. But yeah. I, bought, I didn't buy it because I needed it. Right. But then when I opened it, I was like, I need it now. Mm-hmm. No. And what happens? You immediately just start using it. You don't mm-hmm. pay attention to how anything's set up. You don't... I didn't well, know you're, how to... you're excited about the project and you just it, want to get it, going. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you're on a time crunch. Like, mm-hmm. I was on a very tight time crunch. Like, I had to get this thing done in like a week. 
Right. And it was like, okay, I got to cut a polar bear out of stacked maple. <laughs> like, holy crap. Why did I, first of all, why did I say yes to this? Second of all, I'm screwed because I don't even know how to use a bandsaw. Right. But I made it work. You're a like, couple I, of weeks. I've watched a lot of Duresta videos, though. So. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm at. Like, if I, I watch Jimmy do it, I know how to move. I know how to move the wood through it. I should be okay. What ended up happening was a couple of weeks later, I needed to do something. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be such a pain," because the blade moves. And I was like, "Wait, the blade? Wait, hold on a second. I turned a knob, and the whole guide comes down. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, "That's yeah, yeah. why the blade was moving so much because I didn't have the guide down far. Right. I didn't even know you could bring the guide down. How do I know? I don't never. Point being, the value of the tool increased as my education about that tool increased. Absolutely. And that's that's a philosophy that I mean I keep it keeps happening over and over and over again too by the way where yeah where it's like I just got to get this done I got to get this done and you never really learn how to do something until the one day where what you're doing is like oh this is going to be a pain in the butt and you start working when you go oh no that doesn't have to be a pain in the butt I could have just done it the smart way like as if I had actually read the manual rather than just started using the tool like a typical guy. So we are 32 minutes into this episode. So why don't Can't we take it. I, I you know it's it's amazing how much we talk tonight. Yeah. Uh, so we're 32 minutes in. Let's take a quick break. We're going to talk to we're going to have our sponsor talk to you. Well, it's really me talking to you about our sponsor. <laughs> and then when we come back, um I think we've hit this question enough, right? Yeah, we hit this one. We can do I think the third one will be real quick. Yeah, I think I think yeah. we'll get the third one done, and uh, maybe yeah. we'll do another set of things of the week. And, and then we'll uh, call it. Yeah. yeah, we'll get the hell out awesome. of here. Sounds All right, good. be back. Okay, so we are back, and the next question in the Morley in Morley Palooza, <laughs> going to call it. What do you think the maker community needs? Oh boy. Well, all right. I'm going to do the easy one, and it's not to change. I'm just going to say. That. I mean, I said that facetiously, but. Uh, and and there are things that I think that maker new community needs, but I also think what I don't want is the tone and the uh, community aspect of it to change. And the only reason I say that is because we talked. I talked about that with a couple people about why WorkbenchCon is what it is, and it's because there's we're at I, the maker community. There's still enough business out there. There's still enough opportunity out there that there's no competitiveness yet. There is no. There is literally none, by the way. Exactly, and, and and part of that though is it. Yes, part of it is because of this community and because of who we are and all that, which that's great, and I genuinely believe that. But it's also because it's such a small community and it's growing, and there's so many opportunities that people aren't crossing hairs yet, and that's one of the things I am concerned about. Is that when when things get constricted that competition starts and that's i'm really worried about that changing so i hope that doesn't happen i wonder you know and and i'm i hope i'm wrong with that i really do i don't i don't think your concern is wrong but Mm -hmm. here's here's the one thing that the maker community has going for it right okay the community is very big on Mm self-policing um more so than any community more so than any community i've ever been a part of where if somebody is is starting to be like one of those cutthroat guys yeah I mean, yeah, they'll still have access to the content, but they're not going to get access to the people. And one of the things that makes the community work is access to the people. I mean, right. I can watch, I can watch, you know, a video from somebody, 
and I can message them and pretty much going to get an answer. You know, I mean, at this point, it's really, it would be really weird for a maker to make something. You comment on a video with a question and somebody, if not the maker themselves, answer it, right? But if you have a reputation of being a jerk, you are just not going to get anywhere. There's, you're not going to be in the. You won't. Ha- right. There won't no, be jerks. You're right. There right. won't be jerks in the community because the jerks just won't survive in the community. The the community cleans itself up. And that's and very true. Yeah. I think it's more than any other community I've ever been in. I do worry when there become a lot of sponsor deals or people running businesses and being makers. I do worry that that community thing is more of a. I'll, t- I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you a very good example, actually. So in the Glowforge user group on Facebook, which I'm no longer a member of. Really? Um, yeah, it's just it got super toxic and super uncomfortable, and I just didn't like it there anymore. Um, but one of the things well, that, that might happened... Be, that's kind of a good example, actually, right? It's a very good, Yeah, it's a very good example. So the, the community went south, and it started going south when people started getting pissy with each other. Because they would post a design or a, an idea, and instead of someone using it as inspiration, they would just copy it outright. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, I, me personally, I'm like, if you don't want your stuff copied, then hide it. Yep. Because otherwise, everything you post is going to be copied. Mm-hmm. It, you have to go on the assumption that if you're posting something on the internet, it's going to get copied. It's just the way it is. It's right. Does somebody give you credit is the only question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have a design right now for something that I actually want to make that I'm agonizing over whether I should because I can bang it out in a second on the Glowforge. I could sell a thousand of them and they'd be really cool. But I also know that it's some guy's design on his Etsy store and I would feel like a complete jerk if I did it. Right. So, I mean, is my moral compass getting in the way of my business? Yes, it is. I readily admit that I could probably do it for a while, not even get caught and then tell them, screw off, you put it on the internet and I waited a while before I did it. I'm but I don't want to do that, right? Right. I really don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. Those guys just, they don't last. Right. Because they're not participating in the community anyway. But in the Glowforge group, what ended up happening was the whole group started going from, hey, look at this cool thing I made, to I made a cool thing. It was really cool. Cool, cool, cool. And no picture. Right. Because they didn't want it. They didn't want to give right. away. And yeah. it's like, wow, imagine a community so toxic Right. That you don't want to share your stuff because you're worried somebody in the community you're in is going to steal it. And well, and I think I guess that's what I mean. I don't think it's as vicious as maybe I, I came across. Like I think it's just like people will put if people feel like they, for your in your example, if they feel like their 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 stuff might get stolen, they're going to put guards up. Right. And and to me that diminishes their community because the community. It, Right now, it's like, let's share everything. And everyone, you know, the right. tide rises, all of those things. And, and that's what I don't want to lose. And, and that's what I'm worried about. That, so that's where I think there is a concern to be had because I watched it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. Where this group went from, and I'm pretty sure that Bruce would, would verify this too. Because he was in the, I don't know if he still is or not. I haven't been in the group in like two or three months at this point. Mm-hmm. Um but the group went from a place where it's like you could just go there and just get inspired. Like there right. was just so much there, like so many people just sharing stuff. And you could go, oh, what a great idea. How'd you do that? Oh, that's cool. To 
yeah, I made a thing and it kind of worked. And here's a really tight close up of it so you can't see the rest of it. And it's like, all right, you know what? This is this is just a waste of my time now because now it's just a bunch of text posts. Right. Nothing's inspiring. Everyone's guarded. And I'm not even saying that the people that were guarded were irrational and being guarded. Mm-hmm. I get it. If I had my stuff regularly stolen and I'm trying to make a business out of it, I would be pretty pissed right. off too. For sure. I would. Uh, at the same time, the one thing that I made that sold like crazy that still sells well is my resin pendants, and I did make a video on YouTube on how to make them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a place for education and teaching people stuff, too. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I really hope, I hope that the community never becomes as toxic as it's capable of becoming. Right. Because, wow, it is really possible that this whole thing could go belly up in a second because without the community... This isn't much fun to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Exactly. I, I know that sounds cheesy, corny. You can call me a cheesemeister. That's fine. I do. I love the community that we've built around this show. Well, and, and I, I love being able to, like, without any questions asked, be able to share anything always. And mm-hmm. I and again, I think I'm a little different because I'm less about product and more about content. I guess I'm at least leaning that way. Mm-hmm. But so, but... I don't know. I just, I, I want to be able, if someone does something that I do, I'm excited about that. To me, that's, I'm honored that they, they would want to do, make whatever I made. Our first interaction was me telling you I was going to steal something you made. Yeah. And, and what was my response? Like, cool. Let me see when do you're it. done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope, I, yeah, please tag me so I can see it when you're done. Right. Ironically, yeah. all this time later, I still haven't done it. But <laughs> the funny thing is like, to me, I mean, look, if somebody wants to learn how to make beaded bracelets, I'll teach them. Right. I have no problem. I'll teach you anything. Look, I didn't learn this stuff. See, the thing is, this is the making right. community is so good at teaching you skills mm-hmm. that the idea that they would then say, don't use those skills makes right. me go, what do you No, right. No. And this is the one thing that we do really, really well in the making community. There's no knowledge that we don't share. Right. And if that ever gets to a point where it's like, oh, I have to, f- yeah, well, you know, if you can figure it out. No. Right. I, I, I'm asking you because you've done it. Why should I, why would, what, what if one day I figure something out and I go, hey, you know that process you taught me? Here's a better way to do it. Right. I didn't learn how to make these resin pendants in a vacuum. Right. Right. I learned watching people on YouTube make them. I learned watching other jewelry makers make them. And I've learned processes that make it go much faster. Yeah. Much faster than anything I've seen anyone doing. I have learned some things that there is no way in hell anyone's learned. I've learned how to use tools that people don't generally have for making my own pendant frames on my Glowforge. Right. And it took me six iterations of that to get one that I could use. But that's knowledge that I'm sharing now. I'm saying, hey, here's how I did it. And this is what you need to know in advance when you're doing it. Not, yeah, I did this. Isn't it cool? Cool. Figure it out. No, I, you don't, we don't work that way. Well, and I, I, th- I think it's Ben Ueda that uh, has said this before. But basically, like, if, if you are so stuck on this is my thing and you're copying my thing, then you're not growing fast enough because, like, <laughs> Right, like, yeah. I want, I want to do this thing. I want to master it. I want to, you know, capitalize on it. And by the time that someone else figures it out and copies me, I, it, I'm if, three if, things if past I'm not, you. Yeah, if I'm not <laughs> onto the next thing or the third thing from that, then then I'm stagnant and I'm I'm stuck in a rut. And 
I don't know. Like, and that's not where you want to be. I yeah, want to be I mean, growing always. Right? So for me, it was, so the, the first real jewelry that I handmade in my shop was those pendants, right? I don't make as many of them anymore. In fact, I got an order for one a couple of weeks ago from um, a former guest of this podcast's wife. She ordered, um, she ordered a pendant. And it's funny because I had given that pendant to my friend Sarah to photograph for me because she's doing some um, high-end product photography for me. Mm-hmm. And I gave it to her and I got the order. And I'm like, okay, so I can go about this two ways. I could tell Sarah, hey, listen, here's the label. I need you to send this out, <laughs> which would be a real jerk mm-hmm. move. Or I can sit down at my desk. Like, I hadn't made a resin pendant in a very long time. Right. Or I could sit down at my desk, take a few minutes, and make another one. Right. So I looked at the picture. I'm like, okay, I know what this looks like. I I, I remember making it now. I took all the stuff out, and I made it. But here's the thing, Ethan. I made it better. Right. It looked better than the one that I had photographed. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I didn't have it in front of me. And I was like, okay, how can I make this perfect on the first try? Because I really don't want to do another one. <laughs> Again, right. <laughs> right. And I nailed it. It yeah. was so good when it was done. I've never made one. It was the most perfect one I've ever made. And it almost hurt me to ship it off to her because mm-hmm. it came out that good. Yeah. The point is, though, you're always learning. You're always, always right. learning. It, it, like you said, if you're not moving forward, if, you're, if somebody steals your last idea, and it's the idea you're still working with, I mean, okay, that sucks. And I'm not going to say it doesn't suck, but what's your next idea? Right. Well, like, get the, it, the, stay uh, ahead of them. That should motivate you to come up with something better. <laughs> yeah, and, and or or just understand that get, get while the getting's good and be willing to just move on once it stops. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is like, all right, accept it as, you know, take it as a compliment. And as you said before... They're probably in Texas, and I'm in Boston, and our markets do not cross over that. You know, like, mm-hmm. so nope. don't get too hung up on Like, they're not, they're most likely not stealing your customers. So take it as a compliment and, and try to get better. And yeah. I don't now, know. and this is, and, and I'm going to say, because I've said this before, and I'm going to just add a caveat. Yeah, if you're in, you're in Boston, they're in Texas, you're not stealing each other's customers. However, mm-hmm. there is a but. If you're both on Etsy, yeah, well, that's a whole different ballgame. Because I, I mean, for those of you that listen have listened to this show for any length of time, you know I am very much against Etsy as a seller. Yes. I love it as a buyer. I hate it as a seller. You and me both, and we've made that very clear. Yeah, because, and, and the reason I hate it is not so much because it's bad. Mm-mm. It's just because there's garbage on Etsy. And I mean garbage in the form of the people that go, oh, that thing that you want to make, oh, well, I'm going to make it. And, and for a dollar ninety nine less. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna sell it for. I'm gonna keep my eye on yours, so I know I'm always selling it for less. And I'm gonna use the same description and same right. title, so that I come up in the same searches, and I am gonna steal your idea. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing where I find that unforgivable. And yeah. I don't know why I draw the distinction between somebody getting your ideas from like a Facebook user group and somebody stealing it on Etsy. Maybe it's because the intention in stealing it on Etsy is literally to steal. It's not just to make something that you made. It's to literally steal your idea to make money for themselves. Well, but and to drive, same... and to dri- and that drives the price down too. Which of I, course, is, which right. which oof. I mean, there's nothing worse than. Okay, so when I started making these beaded bracelets, um, I started selling them at thirty five dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And they're to me, they're worth thirty five dollars because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of effort sometimes to right. make one. 
Um, my friend thankfully told me you are never going to sell a single one at $35. And I'm like, well, why not? She said, well, I don't know where the hell you got the idea that you could sell these for $35. I'm like, well, my my friend told me that, you know, in her yoga studio, they're selling for $40. She goes, no, they're not selling for $40 in her yoga studio. They're marked at $40 in her yoga studio. Mm-hmm. And it kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, they probably are just marked up as all hell, just there, mm-hmm. probably not selling. I said, so what should I sell them for? She goes, you have to sell them for $15. I'm like, whoa. $15 is half of what I want to sell them right. for. Like, you're, you're crazy. She goes, no, 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 no. You sell them for $15, you're going to sell a lot more of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am not selling them because I have to ship them. I said, but I could sell them. I could knock the price down from 35 to 20 And if people recognize that there's free shipping with it, right. they're probably going to be okay with a $20 price tag. I have sold a lot of bracelets since I knocked the price down to $20. Well, and I... This goes back to the community and the and the brand too, because I think there's also value in the brand, right? So like, yeah. you can sell it for twenty or twenty five bucks because one, they don't know what you're what they're getting at fifteen. You know, they have no idea what people what they're buying at fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. right? It, it looks they might be able to take really really good uh, photos of their product at yep. fifteen dollars, and it might be garbage. But if they know you and they know the brand and everything like that, they know what they're getting at $25, that's worth $10 for them, right? Yeah, yeah. And something crazy, by the way, I did see the competitor that drove my price down because I asked when I was at her house, I'm like, can I see what her stuff looks like? And I looked at them like, all right, I'm not competing on price. I'm competing on quality. Because mm-hmm. I, I know I can charge 20 bucks right. if she's charging 15 because mine are... Mm-hmm. She, granted, I will say that she has a different design aesthetic than I do. And that goes, but the mechanical parts of putting them together, like I can see her knots. Right. And, you know, to someone that makes these, like, oh, if I can see your knot, you're doing something wrong. Like, right. I should never see a knot on that string. Like, they should look continuous, and you're not hiding your knots at all. Well, and um, that's another reason to not, you, you don't, you shouldn't price your products down to that level right not, because they, mine if, aren't at that level exactly. exactly that's exactly it and i looked at hers and like her beads were good everything was good but then she said oh yeah one of his she said one of my husband's broke a couple of days after we got it and she replaced it right away and i'm like broke like what do you mean broke she goes oh it got snagged and it broke i'm like it broke like i i showed her i had one on i just pulled on it i pulled it almost double its size and it didn't snap. I'm like, she's just not using very good cord. Like, you know, just stuff like that. I'm like, okay, now I know why. I, I can safely charge $20 and know I'm not going to get any of them back. Whereas someone like her, she probably charges 15 and probably has to remake them every once in a while. I've never had to remake right. one for a customer. Right. Uh, the most I've ever had to do is restring it to make it shorter or longer. But yeah. I've never had to redo it. And... That's one of those things that just kind of, it, you know, you expect it to go with the territory, and right. it doesn't have to go with the territory if you make a quality product. Yep. And I don't have to compete with her on price. I know that $20 shipped is a good price. Mm-hmm. I would like to get more, but I also know that at $20, I'm selling them. So, Well, I, as we've talked about before, there's a point, too, where it's like, you know what? I'm making, I'm making enough money, and I'm moving product. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't moving, look, if these weren't moving, I would put the price down to 15 and still sell. I would. I would absolutely do it. Um, The truth is, 
and and you know if you're listening and you've bought one don't take offense but really it's not it's it's a stretch for me to make them at 15 and ship them mm-hmm. it's just not worth it for me i'd almost rather just make them for myself and not make them for anyone else at that price right god's honest truth it's yeah, just sure. not as worth it to me right to make a 15 dollar bracelet to make it for 15 dollars and ship it for free mm-hmm. you know and and just to give you an idea how st- I don't want to say stupid, because stupid's a bad word, but I had my prices, I had flat $5 shipping on my stuff, and my prices were lower. I sold nothing. I literally couldn't, I couldn't sell a glass of water to a guy in Death Valley, okay? <laughs> I raised my prices $5 and marked everything as free shipping, and my sales took off. Yep. It's literally the same thing. It's literally the same thing. So... When you're talking about that $5 difference, well, now if I'm selling it for 15 and I'm shipping it for free, I'm now making like, I mean, granted, with materials, maybe I'm making a couple of bucks. Right. But I also have to take it to the post office. I have to right. package it. I package mm-hmm. everything. I mean, I got to make a little bit of money on these. Oh, for sure. You know, I don't well, mind working at a deal if you take a couple. Right. You know, fine. I'm cool with that. But, you know, on one, right. uh, you know. Right. But... Yeah, I think the community, I think as far as what the community needs, the the one thing that the community doesn't do well enough to me. Yeah. I mean, and I see yeah. I see makers doing, I see makers getting better at doing it. Don't teach me projects, teach me processes. Hmm. That's yeah, yes. So this yep. is something that Steve mm-hmm. Ramsey has shifted to and I really do appreciate it. I don't need to know how to build a credenza. Mm-hmm. I really don't. But I like learning how to make drawers. I yeah. like learning how to make, um, how to attach, how to how to basically set up a carcass for a cabinet so that I could put doors on it. How to put shelves and make the make the dados on the side of the carcass and the middle piece so that I can have split shelves. Those yeah. are the kind of things that I really like learning. I don't watch, I never watch project videos because I want to make the project. Well, I've never, ever made a project I've watched on YouTube, not once in my life. You nailed it. That's exactly it. No, you're absolutely right. And I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. And that's, I, I've never either, I have never made a project I've seen on YouTube. Never once, right? And, but you've I, I used. I have never even made anything close to what, what I've no. watched. But, I've, but my favorite kind of videos are the ones that spark an idea or mm-hmm. spark a technique, or or something. The ones that I go back to, the ones that I flag and like set as favorites and stuff like that, have some kind of technique that mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. I, I I know I can incorporate that into a project that I'm doing that is my style. Right. Those are the best. Yeah, you're right. Totally. Yeah, I think I think if the if if I could pick one thing that the maker community needs more of, it's more processes and less projects. Yeah. Um, I kind of like. Evan and Caitlin's videos since they started doing their shift mm-hmm. have been more processed than project. They're still project mm-hmm. videos, mm-hmm. but they really go into detail on the pro- like the whole process with the coasters in the in last mm-hmm. weeks. And well, I guess as we're doing this, as the, you're hearing this, two weeks two ago's ago. episode, <laughs> the toaster coasters, mm-hmm. um, the whole process of how they figured out concrete and how they like doing the resin and doing the. That is the kind of thing I want to learn because that to me is valuable information. The yeah. what kind of resin to use, what's the difference, and all that. Hell, I was stuck on making these. I was stuck on making these bead on uh, making the resin pendants. The first six I made did not work. 
and I was putting them on wood, and I was using resin that cured over the course of three days. And I didn't know why they weren't working. I couldn't quite figure it out. And what I ended up figuring out was that, hey, there's this resin that cures under ultraviolet light. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to use. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I figured that out, I started banging out these pendants. Like, right. It just, they, they, it was like, oh, yeah, that was the missing link. Now it makes sense. Now I know what I was doing wrong. And that's when it really started taking off for me. Because somebody made a video of doing jewelry with ultraviolet resin, and it was like, holy crap, the light just came on. Right. No, and I, I'm thinking about, like, the, the channels that I like, and I, I we've talked about him a lot, is Mike of um, Industrial Maker. Hey, oh, he's a great one for this. But, but exactly, because his designs, I, I, I truly love his designs, but they're so far out there that, no, I don't think, and, you know, uh, like, I and I again, I like Chris, Chris Salamone, he's had a bunch of people that have made his pieces, right? They've mm-hmm. actually built the furniture that he's designed and made plans for and whatever. And and all respect for that because he does come up with some beautiful designs. I, I'm i willing to bet that there's very few people that have actually made Mike's designs because they're extreme, right? They're, yeah. they're kind of out there and in the best way. But what people get out of them is how to make a concrete mold in the most efficient way, um, how to use foam to create the you know the inner parts of these mold like all those exactly. process pieces that yeah. you pick up from him and and that's what he's really good at doing too is he's pro- he problem solves the technique um, even with the bentwood project I, I, for the rockler bentwood challenge his project probably wasn't the most creative or what I mean uh, it wasn't the most extreme let's put it that way it right. was kind of like these bent uh, very very cool. But these bent uh, bent pieces of wood that have LED strips in them. But what he focused on was the process of bending wood, and he problem solved and all that. And that's what people really, really resonated. And they took that and incorporated that into their own projects. And he kind of sparked a lot of technique for everyone else for that challenge. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think that's a really I, I hadn't really thought about it this way until you talked about it. But I think that is part of why people really gravitate towards his videos is it's it he's very big on the process and and the problem solving and the technique yep i i am i have gotten to a point where i i watch project videos so there's a guy um oh, dashner designs mm-hmm. is the guy's name mm-hmm. and you you probably seen i don't know i don't maybe you told me about him actually it's totally know, possible um he does he does restoration videos mm-hmm. That's all he does and what he does is he buys stuff at thrift stores and he's, he restores it. I don't watch it to see... I like reveals. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of a sucker of for a really dramatic well, reveal. I think... Right. Yeah, exactly. If you're not a sucker for that, you wouldn't be watching them at all. But I think what I watch his videos for is like... So this last one he did on his most recent video, he did a bar cart that was just beat to <laughs> hell. And I'm like, okay, I want to see how you make this one look good. Right. And in the end, he didn't end up making it look good. He ended up rebuilding (laughs) the parts that were really beat to hell. But watching him go through the process of trying to figure out if he could salvage the veneer off the main part of the cart was like, wow, okay, I wouldn't have thought to even try that. Like at one point, he's like, I wanted to get the... So at the end, before he gave up entirely, he's like, I wanted to see if I could get this veneer off. So I figured since water made it peel off the back... 
And he just took the whole shelf with the veneer and just dropped it in his bathtub. He's like, I figured soaking it might get it done. I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right, the logic is sound. I would never have thought to do that, but the logic makes sense. And those process videos are... Yeah. You know, for him, it is a project, but in the end, what I got out of it was all the different processes he used to make it all work. Right. And I think that that's, I really do think that that's where the maker community can do better. Just stop with the projects and focus on processes because most of your audience is makers. Yeah. Are makers, is makers, whichever. Grammatically, (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure I'm going to get a text message as I say that from my wife because she likes to correct grammar. (laughs) Well, and there are a lot of people that, that really do like plans and uh, sure and so i don't want to downplay that but, at all yeah but 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 in the end what we're going to learn from as uh, as fellow makers right as fellow makers is going to be the is going to be the inspiration oh i just got a te- i just got a message on telegram is <laughs> most of their audience is makers <laughs> there you go see didn't even have to wait for the episode we, we, to drop I, to get I that correct. Like we have a live audience <laughs> we do <laughs> thanks beth <laughs> ethan says thanks beth <laughs> all right so um i'm waiting for the response no oh she might not have heard oh i guess she didn't hear ah. oh well um i think oh you want to do so let's do yeah let's quick, do more quick, things of the week yeah quick things of the week all right things of the week so my thing of the week was actually going to be my, one of my things of the week last week and i just <laughs> literally forgot um i needed a tripod that would give me the ability to do an overhead shot okay and um I, again it's a piece of camera equipment holy crap what's I going know, on with heavy me on the um and Bye, i asked I asked our good friend Bruce. Oh, there's the mention. Damn, we almost made it a whole episode. Um, um, I asked our good friend Bruce. I was like, "What tripod do you?" Because I knew he had the style of tripod I was looking for, and it's an Altip Vanguard Plus. Hmm. Oh, I think that's what it is. I think it's the, yeah, I think it's the Alta Vanguard Plus. I, I'll put it in the show notes. But basically, this tripod is amazing. It's it's a, about one hundred and ninety seven dollars. Okay. Oh, wow. I bought one for my shop for shooting video downstairs. And then I bought another one for my office for the day job. It's that good. Wow. Um, I can take my Rebel T6i with a macro lens and the flash, put the, put the boom head out 90 degrees Holy sh- and stick it straight out over something and take photos of it. And it's sturdy it's enough. It's stable. Yeah, it doesn't move. I wow. don't even understand. It just does. It it can hold a camera that heavy at the full extension of the head all the way out at 90 degrees. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It is an amazing tripod. It's made like a tank. It weighs about seven pounds. Huh. Um, it is not light. It is not a, it's not a travel tripod. You can right. fold it up. It is not a travel tripod. You would not want to have to. In fact, the reason I bought one for the day job was because I got tired of schlepping mine from the house. <laughs> it's just too freaking heavy to schlep that and my camera bag every day. That's so awesome. This, it's, it's an amazing tripod. It has an, every single, and this is the other thing I like about it, every single angle um, adjustment or movable part has a lock. Oh, um, that's yeah, that's clutch. It's it's fantastic. So what I like about it is the head old, the head rotates, the body rotate, everything moves, but you can lock down certain parts so that they either move a little bit, like so right. that they move they move slowly, or you can wrench it down and it does not move. The biggest part of a tripod is its stability, and mm-hmm. this thing is 
not just stable. It is Rock solid. solid. It's like it's a tank. It's the heaviest tripod I've ever owned. I have two really. I'm very, <clears throat> very fortunate. I have two very good tripods. I have a Me Photo um, travel tripod that I got from. <laughs> it was on clearance at Adorama. It was regularly one seventy nine. I got it for seventy dollars. Wow. Um, it was. It's a horrible color. It's like a coppery <laughs> brown. It looks like a turd. But the, the nice thing, thing about tripods is they're never in the shot. Exactly. <laughs> and this was just too good a deal to pass up. It was like it was like 60 or 70% off. Like I just had to buy it. Um the other one is this Alta Vanguard. It is just an absolutely fantastic fantastic tripod. And Bruce, this is the one that Bruce uses. Um Dave Swiduck actually has an older version of this tripod. So these are two people who really know their stuff telling you it's a good tripod. Yeah. Well, I'm the third now. It's the best tripod I've ever owned. It's the best tripod I've ever used. And it has an Arca Swiss head on it. So <laughs> you don't need to swap your heads. Your plates will all work. In fact, the plate that it came with, I don't even use. I just have my usual Arca Swiss 40, 50, and 60 millimeter plates, and they all work with it. So I'm going to have the link to that in the show notes. It's like I said, it, it, it ranges in price anywhere from $197 to $210. If you're looking for a really solid quality tripod with a big range of motion, right. this is the one you should get. It's, you're, it's not going to let you down. I have been pleasantly surprised by how much I can torture this thing. When I, I just just uh, just on a lark when I opened it, the first thing I did was like, "All right, let's see if it could hold my camera at ninety degrees." I, I was like, "Oh my god, it did it!" It did. <laughs> yeah, and that was my re- that was exactly my reaction. Like, "Oh my god, it did it!" And after that, I was like, "Yep, I'm getting another one. This is the most perfect tripod ever." So, awesome. that is my thing of the week for awesome. this week. All right. Well, so my thing of the week is actually, and this could go back three weeks now, but um, but it deserves a thing of the week. Um, it's Alan of AC Nailed It. So he came to WorkbenchCon and surprised me with this finger joint case. So this like beautifully done case that has a sliding top, and it it's perfectly designed for displaying and storing one of my leather wrapped Exacto blades. It's again. It's pu- purely self, you know, grandizing. Whatever. You're you're allowed to self promote. It's oh a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But it, it just he made it, and so the so he, it, the box itself is beautiful. It, all these finger joints he used. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's walnut, but he has these accent pieces of wood. The the top slides off perfectly and slides back in perfectly. But then inside the case, it has these little pieces of wood that have uh, divots that are perfectly contoured to the X-Acto blade. So it just holds the X-Acto blade perfectly in the center of this box, and it displays it beautifully. And I, it was just really, really nice. I was super touched that he made it for me. And, uh, and his work, everything he does is beautiful, and he does not promote himself enough. His work is fantastic. He's he really, really, really... You know, he really doesn't. He doesn't. I will say that. He yeah. really doesn't. And he just has... He has this level of like clean technical. Yeah, it's a clean is the word I'm looking for. Yes, for sure. Everything is just very clean and like polished looking. It's exactly, really and, and, good he, stuff. and he's so modest about it too. And it's just such fantastic. Yeah, work, and so. he's not like me. He's not false modest. He's actually modest. <laughs> <laughs> no, he totally is. He totally is. I, I mean, and that's how we met. Me, me, and him met 
the first year at WorkbenchCon, I he made this sticker box I've talked about before, and I just was taken aback by how beautiful this like box that he made just to hold his stickers were. And from that point on, I was like, this guy's got something. And uh, yeah, and then he he took it up another level this year and made this box. And and he he like he was you could tell he was uncomfortable by how much I loved the thing. Yeah, you you probably gushed a little bit. I, oh, I, like, I told him the next morning. I was like, I, I promise, after this, I'll stop gushing. And then two weeks, uh, three weeks later, I'm <laughs> gushing on the podcast. But I was just really, it was beautiful, and I was taken aback. So thank you, Alan. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, you're, the, you're the best. So thank you. And by the way, Alan, um, you didn't message me back. Because he was very upset that he didn't get a sticker, and I told him if he sent me um, sent me his address, oh, yeah. I would make sure he got a sticker. Yeah, no, I'm, he forgot I'm, to he forgot to ask you for a sticker. Yeah, well, and and he was the one that reminded me to shout out the podcast on the Maker Vision podcast. <laughs> so yeah, Alan, Alan's a on. super fan. Yes, he is. He is. He's. Uh, I just want to ask a question of all of you. I just want to ask a question because people have asked me. People have asked me. This is not me saying I want to do this or that we want to do this, but I just wanted to ask. I'm going to put it out there. If we started a Patreon account for the podcast, would you support it? That's just the question, yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I want to know. Well, no, and, and and if, what would you like? And what? And if it's yes, yeah, if it's yes, what would you like? What do you think would be good for tiers? Like, what do you think would be good for rewards? And truly I, meaningful ones, because I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, whatever. I want something that be meaningful. But yeah, and and, and by the way, that uh, I am not. I'm just <laughs> just telling you in advance. It's going to cost a lot of money for you to get your name shouted out on the podcast. I just I, I'm not about that life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have no problem making valuable things. Um, Ethan and I both make stuff. You know, maybe mm-hmm. the higher end tier we can make some stuff. But I'm just putting it out there because people have asked, like, "Hey, do you guys have any way to support the show?" And I know there's a bunch of you that are really super loyal, and maybe you want to financially support the show i don't know i figured i'd put it out there so that's the question if you think you'd be interested in a patreon for the show i have no problem doing it hey i like money everybody likes money right um just um let us know and Drop if not the line. and if not we're gonna and keep if, doing it anyway yeah so. no this is not me saying if we don't right. get money we're gonna stop doing this this right. is me saying is it worth it to set up a patreon account yeah that's basically what I'm trying to figure out. If it's if it's worth it, if a couple of people are interested, then maybe we do that. Maybe yeah. we uh, give you guys a way to support, and we'll come up with some cool merch for you. Also, there you go. You know, hey, get hey, Mother's Day's coming. If we get a Patreon, <laughs> and one of the things is some high end jewelry from a jewelry maker, you know, you, you can't go wrong with that. And what mom wouldn't want a leather wrapped Exacto knife? <laughs> yeah, that's totally what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> we can you know what would be funny? Earrings, you know, you, you know what would be funny? We should have the E and the V um, levels. So like, it'd be five dollar E level, five dollar V level. So do you want something <laughs> from Ethan? Or do you yeah. want? No, I don't want to know that because everyone's going to pick your shit, and I don't. I'd feel terrible. <laughs> no, we should have a a a certain level where it's both of ours. Ooh, yeah. Top Ooh. level, top level. Top level, yeah. We get a, <laughs> a matching set, a matching set of jewelry, and an X-Acto knife. There you go. Yeah. Oh, see? Guys, this is what, this is what, yeah. So if that's something you're interested in, if it's something you think you'd want to support, by all means, let us know. Podcast at becausewemake.com. Just hit us up. Let us know. Uh, I would like it, but I'm. we don't need it to keep going. Right. Exactly. I promise you, this is not me going... In three weeks, like, well, you know, we couldn't afford to find... No, we can do this podcast for the next 50 years. It's going to be fine. Right. But, uh, I mean, 
I don't know, 50 years. 50, I'm that's be, a lot, but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to be like, like... I would be 94. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I'm not going to live that long. So I'm just <laughs> telling you guys right now. <laughs> well, if survival, five-year survival rates are any indication, I'm only going to live another three, so we're good. <laughs> All right. On that cheerful note... Yeah, right. <laughs> have a great week, everybody. We will be back again next week, I promise, and we'll be back whether you pay us or not. That's the way we do things. <laughs> have a good one, everybody. Have a good one, everybody.